for it. Go 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 for it. Poetry night rings through. You gave me a lovely segue into Hawaii because guess where our feature's from tonight? We have Darren Cambro with us and he came all the way from Hawaii and he could, well, on that note, would you join us up here, Darren? Let's welcome our feature to the stage. that later. <laughs> I've done many jobs in my existence. I've changed diapers for dependent adults who couldn't fend for themselves. Worse yet, I've taken shit from bosses bellowing orders about duties they don't know how to do. I've played the part of professional puppet. Putting on neckties, keeping clean cut for a few bucks over minimum wage. I've catered to tourists and car dealers. I've felt as thankless as day labor and as hated as a telemarketer. I've been a substitute in public education institutes trying to keep bored students so stupid with old text and bland worksheets. But there was no job I found more rewarding than involving myself with Youth Speaks as I helped teens seek their writer's voice. I am a poet mentor. Two words fused to wield welded word weapons using hurt to heal. Picking and prodding, finding layers to peel. Truth and lies wrapped in lines molded from angst and uh, celebration. Frustration. I want to show the world how far humanity can really stretch because I know I can't breach the boundaries alone. And that's why I teach. I try not to preach, but I just want to reach them. But I'd rather call it facilitate because I want them to innovate, not just imitate and regurgitate. Yes, I demonstrate, but not say they duplicate. I want them to relate and create no restraint. I want writers to find their own voice, make their own choice, keep their pages moist with ink, tears, and sweat, scripting sarcasm and scribing regret, soothe the scars that stuck me in a shell of a guy too shy, too tall, or just too proud to find a shoulder to cry on. I wrote poetry before I knew how to slam. When I was a cocky, yet handsome punk, just tall enough to dunk, this is who I am. It's not a character I play on stage. I've used my pages as God, sending bloody letters to God and getting no response. So my first audience is myself. 
but I compete for the person who doesn't really like poetry, who gets dragged to a slam by a date and can't wait for it to end. Because if that person found one little line that made them think, something that dropped their jaw or their drink, then I've done my job. Because I share for the soul that's scared of self-reflection. That kid that feels alone in a crowded room for anyone that's been bullied or ignored, had their hearts open or broken, lost innocence or loved ones, is for anyone who has had words stuck in their throat. I'm not a role model. I'm a model with roles. <laughs> that rose with karmic punches that leaves skid marks on the high road I cross paths with pupils. Passing on poetic passion, praying and prying with a pen and paper. I'm never going to be a perfect person. I find too much beauty and faults and too many lessons and mistakes to ever want to change the past of who I am. A poet and a mentor. Thank you very much. Um, I don't like to talk very much in between my sets, but I do have a CD back there. Um, and it's $8, True Confessions of a Compulsive Liar. There's 14 tracks, all of them with music in the background. And it's, uh, it's a, pro it's a project that I'm proud of. Some Northwest, uh, producers, some Hawaii producers. And I'm gonna need some sales to pay for a new mic stand. So if you guys can go ahead and. Chip into the new mic stand fund. That would be great. In 1795, Kamehameha threw an entire army off the off of the cliffs of the Pali. Warriors clashed in duty. Newly acquired muskets made warfare deadly. Spears evolved to bullets faster than flesh can react. His men threw them all off. An army of 400 fighting an invasion from the Big Island. Bodies twisting and flailing in fear or prayer or both. They fell a thousand feet. In the end, they were close to a thousand feet, connected to close to a thousand legs, twisted and bent in prayer form with faces frozen in fear or broken, like the commandments of a forgotten faith. What must it feel like to fall like that? To be pushed so close to the edge, to be rattled so near the rim of existence, you take a step. Like those trapped in twin towers, choosing a leap to escape the heat. When does a soul leave the body? I refuse to believe it hatches when the eggshell exterior meets the earth. I like to think it stays floating, free from the fall, long gone before the landing. See, some people get pushed off their cliffs, and some jump. How could fleeing something living seem so easy? We assure ourselves Matt Heger was crazy when he tossed that little toddler from the overpass. We sleep better believing that baby Cyrus, who fell like Icarus into oncoming traffic, was a freak of nurture, like it was psychosis or a narcotic that could completely cloud a human's mind, make judgments so chaotic that in a moment, muscles could actually motion a child into a concrete ocean. In 2008, a YouTube post revealed that Kanye Ohimarine, born in Seattle, throwing a defenseless puppy off in a rocky cliff. It was squealing in terror, yelping over desert footage echoed with a thud the grainy cell phone footage imprinted an image ingrained in disgust david matari had it by the scruff of its neck dangling crouched and calm it trusted him a poor puppy probably orphaned maybe more than once ends its life in sheer panic pawing for a ground that's getting pulled by gravity closer by the second squared 
When bodies and beliefs are getting thrown around like Zeus's lightning bolts, what's left to get shocked by? Where is our humanity? Iraqi children get orphaned and massacred daily, and it takes a freaking puppy to get people's attention. To the conditions of cruelty in our current conflict, winning the hearts and minds of war-torn people does not mean that their body parts are trophies. Looking into tear-dipped skies, I'm trying to find connections to be seen together for a poem but I'm using shards of violence that seem so senseless. I see flashes of stars. They look like a bright-eyed child's hope or the blast of a bullet being forced out of a barrel. I look at constellations for consolation, and I don't want it to all connect. I like to think that God cries every time it rains because of the pain he sees tucked into the miracle of life. But if there's one thing that surfing the Internet has taught us, it's that if God could see us now, like if God watched us on YouTube, he's done crying. He's pissing on us with our own pollution, writing his name in ice caps, using his native script. And there's a biblical explanation for global warming. Like we'd even get a global warning if God was so gracious to give the fallen a warning shot. A homeless man asked me for change. I had to tell him that the jingle in my pockets was just a set of keys. He sighed. I had keys once, with doors to lock. It seemed like smoke escaped his lips from a cigarette he had last week. He held a torn teddy bear in the child basket of his shopping cart. His camouflage suit made me assume him a veteran of the first Gulf War. He answered my questions before I could ask them. The bear reminds me of my daughter. She's got the same eyes. They never told us the smoke gust were poisonous. The cloud dust held mine monsters, and this is also my pillow. And he held out a tattered Bible. Jesus was a homeless man too, you know, and we all got crosses to sleep on. A homeless child asked me for change. He had eyes the size of silver dollars, but all he wanted was a couple of quarters to turn a silver handle in a bright red box that held 50 cent clear capsule dreams. If he got that fake tattoo, he would cover up the pussing wound, still open from persistent picking. That pyropuncture burnt brand from a cigarette put out on his arm while he slept, left from a drunken man who didn't see him or didn't care. If he got a rubber bouncy ball, he would see how high he could get it. Maybe as high as the older boys he overheard boasting in herds, blowing bravado up each other's asses. He wanted to fly like them if he got older. He said, if... If he got a piece of plastic jewelry, he would give it to a pretty girl because he's heard a woman's smile is supposed to shine in the reflection of a diamond. I wonder if he'll ever get the chance to kiss a woman, hold hands with a date, dance to the last song of the night, or fall asleep snuggled in an embrace. I look at this runaway and empty my shallow pockets to find eight dimes, five nickels, and a bunch of pennies, but in his eyes, disappointment, because all he wanted was those two quarters. A homeless lady asked me for change, and I wish a circular disc could fix her wishes. If they were tossed in a well, we should get well, and all ends well. I wish a shirt on my back could cover up the train track. Marks that pocket arms, like she's played chicken with fate three times too many, and I wish I could slingshot crack rock to the moon, so the only way that she can score some more was to shoot for the stars. A homeless family asked me for change. And I wish I could take all their crap out of their lives like love's diapers. I can't change their van back into their old home. I wish I could turn these four doors into four walls with frames for doors. It pains me that these rolled up windows replace window panes. This family tree looks weathered. And holes in the sweater mean the little girl's cough isn't getting any better. And mommy's eyes are laid low 
from pot pills, a pharmacy filled head propped on a pillow. I pity this family, but it seems it's not a goddamn thing I can change with anything I reach and find fish in my pocket, seems. Homeless people ask me for change, and it's strange. I wish I could find an answer, but all I can do is respond, and I know the solution isn't found in my reaction when asked for alms. The only thing I can change at that moment is how they feel about themselves for that portion of the day. Short pipe, short-sighted people cite Darwin's survival of the fittest, as if evolution was a solution of poverty, like eventually the poor will just die out. Our power structure has a shadow, and it's in that darkness that hides our true reflection. Sharing a pillow. Facing each other, we taste each other, devouring desire in small kisses and bites. Pledging an unappeasable appetite. Counting compliments, you comment as a poet, I'm particularly silent. It's not for lack of language or details deserving delicate descriptions I could catalog in dialogue. It's not that I'm insensitive or incapable. I truly find you insatiable. But I'm a puzzle poet whose confidence has been shattered, piecing together once mighty ego broken so long ago. Your kittens get to my tongue tied in knots, and I cannot quite express myself to you yet. Upon meeting, magnetic energy surrounded us, but I suppose it was the pool from two opposite personality poles, surface similarities with deeper differences, yet strength from my weakness, spirit from my meekness. I love the rhythmic cadence you dance with. The expression of movement radiates a sensuality deep within you. A shining that blinds me from seeing the seas of anonymous faces and blurry bodies. You sparkle past the clouds of crowd. You fume femininity through human humidity. Every smile or sideways grin amazes my attention and attracting me as you mouth foreign words in a second language I cannot understand. You speak a universal dialect. I try to lip sync, but my lips sink. Sorry. Sorry, I've witnessed the worthlessness of words wasted and abused truth stretched beyond a figment of my imagination that my baggage is badly aged and my luggage lags my emotional availability. I'm sorry even after being intimate with you, I'm still intimidated by you. As we try charades and positions we play to imitate lovers without saying I love you. I've been down this road before and I hesitate because the street signs are always a mile late. I'm sorry I don't feel comfortable with someone finding me sexy when there's so much in me I'd change if I believed in miracles of magic or mystic messiahs. Or just had more motivation. See, I want to write love poems of romance and chivalry, but literally my lineage of literature has never been structured that way. There's always been an emotional twist of a metaphorical knife attracted to my back. So I hesitate to write of you. Because it seems in the past my protagonist of personal poetic passages passed my lips as a kiss of death to relationships. Like Judas locked John and Jesus and my emotions betray me. He told me I need someone all in or not at all. So I stand over this dark cliff, unable to see the bottom or more importantly where the end is, and you ask me to jump. See, I've been cliff dive dating before and I crash into the rocks of emotional hangups, having a hard time adjusting my expectations midair. I'm sorry I'm scared. I'm sorry I'm ill-prepared. I talk more than I dare and I'm a silent person. But you grab on to me. Like you love to handle my love handles, but my love can't handle you touching the skin I'm not comfortable in. I'm a beta male trapped in an alpha outfit, but the costume doesn't make the man. So I sit here rummaging through morning after disaster, sipping on stale wine, whining, writing about the rubble, the falling pieces to a structure destroyed before the blueprints were finished. And I feel like we skipped a step, like we got off on the right foot when I wasn't prepared to dance, and I can't dance like no one's watching. I can't sing like I'm in the shower. I can't love like I've never been hurt. 
I can't even kiss like I've never been bit. So my breakfast is night old wine and chain smoking. Regrets. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you. Check out the CD. And you can see more information on poorwettree.com. Poorwettree.com. Okay, thank you. If you want to hear poetry or have the size of your penis become weapon like totally unborn. Um, that's us. Oh, it's all over the microphone.